Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. All right. Like I said, I always distract myself when I've been out of town because I just feel like there's so, so much happens in a short period of time. And, but we are back in our Thought Life series. This is number seven in the Thought Life series. Uh, let's see, I'm not sure what happened there. Can you? Yeah. You know, the, the, the bottom line of this series is that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Amen? I've got some scriptures I want to show here. Oh, I see what happened. That's me. That's why is it doing that? Talk amongst yourselves for a moment. Let me fix this. There we go. Woo! Don't you love technology? All right. So the, these two passages have been the basis of what we've been talking about. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Say transformed. And, and the idea of this word transformed here is that it's like, a, it's like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. You're not one thing trying to become another thing. You're trying to yield to and that which is in you grow and take over your, and make you a new type of creature. So say, I'm a caterpillar trying to be a butterfly. That felt weird? Okay. I wondered why. So, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then... This passage is this passage. This looks like they got out of order too. This passage as well. Proverbs 23, 7, the first part, for as a as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So these are the concepts. You are transformed as you renew your mind, and as you think in your heart, so are you. So we're dealing with the mind and the heart. You know, performance-centered Christianity or religion would focus on the external. Do right, give right, talk right, act right, pray right, with no regard to... Boy, if it's not me, it's the technology. And, 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 And do right, right? You grow up with parents in a strict religious home, and it's like a real, this real per- focus on do right, act right, live right, be right, is what you make me look like. And man, I'm telling you, the world is sick of performance-centered religion. Can I get amen? amen. Aren't you sick of p- performance-centered religion? You know, and it's funny because when you start talking about um, these terms and living out Christianity in this way, unfortunately, people hear well, it doesn't matter what you do. You're just talking about having happy thoughts and just enjoying God, and it doesn't matter how you live. And that could not be further from the truth. 
I'm telling you, just, just go read our Facebook page on one of our latest posts, and there are people on there that read one phrase of one paragraph, and the religious mindset instantly says, you got to show people God's wrath. you got to show people God's anger. you got to let people know that God's not happy with them. And it's like, don't you know that it's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance? I mean, to focus on love, to focus on what He did for us, is not to ignore God's wrath towards sin. Thankfully, we as believers, Jesus already bore that wrath. God is not angry with you. You will never, ever, those who are in Christ, will never, ever be judged for your sin. Ever. Say ever. Now, does that make you want to go out and sin? No. It should make us want to live in such a way that protects and honors what He's done for us. But I want to start to get down to this idea of the heart and the beliefs of the heart. So we've got a few passages here. In, um, I don't, I, somehow it got out of order, but in Romans 10 too, it says, uh, that's the wrong one. Where's Romans 10? Help me out back there. Sorry, I'm just like scattered because it's not in order. Oh, here it is. This is Romans 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So in this passage here we see that believing is a capacity of the heart. Amen? See, we think that we think things up here in our mind and with our brain, and we think that because we think something that that's what we actually believe. But the contradiction in how we live our lives comes in is that you might believe something that's different than what you think and agree with mentally. In your mind, you may agree with the fact that either you are healed or you are free from that sin or you're a kind person, but then you have this self-image on the inside that contradicts that. And the most frustrating thing is, is when you understand something with your brain, with your mind, and you think, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is the direction that I'm going. And then you start to move that direction, and it's almost like this invisible hand reaches and pulls you in a different direction, and you're like, what am I doing over here? Why did this happen? You ever been there? And it happens all the time. It happens in our emotions. It happens in our choices. It happens in, listen, it happens in how you respond to your spouse, how you respond to your children, because you have a self-image that is trying to protect something, trying to protect something that you believe that causes you to go into defense mode. And see, we might think in our minds, and some people are so disconnected that we have, we think we are this way, but yet you actually behave the way that this self-portrait on, on your heart shows you, and you don't even realize you're living out of here, but you think that you're living out of here. And then somebody comes to you and tells you, hey, um, you know, every time I start to try to tell you a story, you start talking about yourself and then you go here. Or, you know what, every time I start talking about the good things going on, you start talking about all the negative things in the world. Or, you know what, when I try to talk about our financial situation, you blow up and get mad and it's hard to talk to you and, and don't even realize it. You ever been there? Am I talking too close to home? Because we have this image on the inside of us that is painted with 
our past, our trauma, our difficulties, what we've been through, our sin habits, all that stuff. You know, it's, it's like you're a masterpiece. You are God's workmanship. I was actually reading about this um, painting that was found. It, it, was a, it was a hidden or it was a lost or an unknown Van Gogh self-portrait. And they ended up doing some x-rays and they found that it, it had been covered with like glue and cardboard and all this stuff and they didn't know that it was there. But when they removed everything, it was like this new Van Gogh self-portrait that had never been known before. This was in the in the 60s, I think, that they discovered it, in which he would have painted it in the late 1800s. That's like us. God has made us new. God has made you perfect. God has made you holy. And what we're trying to do is actually believe that spiritual image of ourselves so that it affects how we live outwardly. But if your image is painted by what you've been through, your lack in this world, maybe what your parents said to you, your skin color, your economic status, your cultural background, your political perspective. If your identity is more anchored in those things rather than who God is on the inside of you, there's always going to be this tug. There's always going to be this disconnect. And so the fight is to bring your thoughts captive to what Christ was obedient to. Not bring your thoughts captive and make them obey Jesus. I mean, that, that, that's kind of it, but... What you're trying to do is bring your thoughts captive so that your thoughts are in alignment with who you are in Christ and what God has done for you. And it's one of the reasons why we focus so much on the finished work of the cross, so much on how God feels about you and how he thinks about you and all the promises that he has for you and the fact that all his promises are yes and amen. He's given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He's with you. He's for you. He's leading you and guiding you into truth. He's reminding you what God has spoken to you. And then those external words of prophecy that people have brought to you, he's nurturing those kinds of things. Hopefully those confirm what you have on the inside of you. But it's also the reason that we keep finding ourselves in, in the same difficult situations of failure over and over and over because of this portrait that we have. Now listen, I'm going to tell you something difficult. If you can grasp this, if you feel like you are always treated unjustly, if you always feel like people don't listen to you, if you always feel like this scenario that you find yourself in over and over, those of you that are trying to find a mate and a spouse, if you always find yourself in the situation where it just erodes and falls apart and it feels like you date the same guy over and over and over again, you are probably the common denominator. And it probably has more to do with how you see yourself and, and the situations that you allow yourself to be attracted into and entertain because that's the picture. And all of this happens on a subconscious level. All of this happens on a deeper level because you can think one thing. You can have a journal. You can have a book. You can have a plan. And you've got it written out. And this is the way your life's going to be. And this is what you're going to do. And this is how things are going to be. And this is the promise that I'm standing on. And the next thing you know, the exact opposite happens. Why is that? It's what you believe in your heart. Is this making sense? 
as, a, as we think in our hearts, so are we. And it's because you believe with the heart. You don't really believe with the brain. You don't really believe with the mind. The mind evaluates and processes. The mind distinguishes between all these different forms of information and input and determines. Let me show you this picture here. And I, and I haven't actually shown this for us, those of you guys that are, that, have been, that, are, that are relatively new. This is actually an image that, that I adapted from some stuff that I learned from Jim Richards in, in ministry school. And I've taken it and developed it and put it together. You know, it's, it's, it's really hard to quantify and illustrate that which makes up a human being. So this is just a model. You know, those of you that are literal, those of you that are looking for understanding, don't get too caught up on these things. Let's just kind of look at it with an open hand and gain some understanding out of it. But for those that are just listening or if you can't see it that, if you can't see it that well, maybe you can turn and look on the back wall back there. But we have spirit, soul, and body. And then in between spirit and soul, we have the heart. And the heart is new. Say, I have a new heart. My heart is not wicked. Now, most of Christianity will teach you that your heart is weak and de deceitful above all things, not to trust it. Because it used to be. But when you become born again, that's one of the great works that God does in you is He removes the body of flesh, in other words, that the root of sin out of you, and He puts a new heart in you. It's the prophecy, it's, it's one of the greatest promises of the new covenant and your new creation identity in, in Christ is that you're the inner, the deepest inner part of you that is still soulish and able to interact in this realm is made new. The part of you that's directly connected with the Spirit of God, the part of you that determines what kind of creature that you are is made new. God gives you a new heart. Say, I have a new heart. And then... And, and I don't have time to go through all the scriptures, but in that heart is where God pours his love. Ephesians 3, the second part of it, you know, he prays that, that you would be strengthened in your inner man with the love of God so that you'd come to a place of wholeness and completeness. And that's where God's grace leaks into the rest of your being. And if you've been around here for any period of time, you know that grace is not just unmerited favor. Grace is a power. Grace is strength. So the way that I look at it is we've got this power plant, which is God's spirit on the inside of us, and it is looking to infuse strength and wisdom and courage and joy and peace and all the stuff that we can't muster up on our own. God wants to pour that into us so that we experience his peace, his joy his righteousness, his gifts, his transformative power. And all of that being a capacity for you to engage and experience transformation is the result of his grace. I almost look at it as like spiritual vitamins. You know, he infuses a spiritual vitamin C, boosts your immune system. He infuses joy, boosts your joy. Are you with me? So whatever it is that you need it's a capacity of grace, but it's not just God zapping you and making you something happen. It's your choice to feed on those elements of His Spirit that you need to display in your life. Now, in your spirit, you, are, you already have all that stuff. You're complete. You're complete in Him. But the way that you think and the beliefs of your heart 
will determine whether or not you allow those spiritual strengths and powers and truths to bear fruit in your life and manifest and change the rest of you. That's up to you. God's not just going to make it happen. You have to choose grace. You have to choose joy. You, and, and, and the way that you choose it is more so you just are willing. Say, I'm willing. It starts with willingness. And not just a willing, well, God, I'm willing for you to give me some joy. Come on, that'd be nice. But the willingness is that you're actually willing to put down the anger. You're actually willing to put off the frustration. You're actually willing to put off the self-judgment. Because in willing to let go of one thing, then you become willing to assume and take on another thing. And that, that's this passage here. This is Ephesians 4.22, that you put off, say put off, concerning your former conduct, the old man, and that old man is dead, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's so interesting that transformation and change is more related to how you think than the specific behaviors that you take. Because what they know is, what the author of Scripture knows is that if, if your mind is in agreement, it's going to affect the rest of your being. That's why we talk so much about thought life in this series. You know, if, and if you've, if you've missed a lot of this series, go back, especially the one about controlling negative emotions. Man, it'll set you free. So if you want to be made new you got to change the way that you think, which is, which is actually repentance. That's the definition of repentance is to change the way that you think. There is a turning away from sin in repentance. Repentance is not when you finally realize and are willing to admit that you've been living ungodly and then you go to God and you throw yourself down on the altar, off, off, whatever that thing's called. And you convince God, I'm so sorry, God, I can't believe. He's like, oh my goodness, look how sincere they are. I think I'll forgive them now. Now, you're forgiven in Christ. Because of what Christ has done, you stand forgiven. Repentance is when you wake up and you realize, man, I'm, I'm living in a way that's contrary to who I actually am in Christ. I'm choosing sin. I'm, I'm choosing depression. I'm choosing darkness. I'm choosing to be foolish with my money. I'm choosing to not honor God and how I behave in this relationship. And you recognize, yes, it may be a sin that you're recognizing. And yes, confession still applies, but confession now under the new covenant is to go to the Lord and say, look, I'm struggling here. I'm confessing to you that I, I, I have a problem. I don't know what to do about it. You've already forgiven me for it, but I need some help here because I'm not living in the freedom that you've given me in Christ. Help. Honesty. Sincerity. And if you're crying when you do it, that's fine too. I don't, you know, I'm not saying that's illegal. I'm just saying you, repentance is not when you, when your sincerity convinces God to then forgive you and then change the situation. Repentance is when you've been banging your head against the wall in the way that you've been living and you realize, oh, that kind of hurts. I don't want to do that anymore. And you turn and you look to God and you say, I don't, that was kind of dumb. I don't know why I've been doing that over there. Would you help me? Would you give me another way? Would you strengthen me? Would you give me wisdom? Would you give me some peace? Would you help me adopt a mindset where I can actually change? I can take some responsibility in this situation here. 
according to who I actually am in the Spirit. See, that, that's, the, that's the paradox of this perspective is that you actually are expected to live in a manner that is righteous and holy and honoring of God. You have no excuse because you've been made new. Do you know why you sin? You're getting something out of it. You want to. You like it. You might despise it, but you're getting something out of it. In other words, it's no longer your nature. Now, that's a hard one. I get it. I understand. We've had years and years and years and decades and decades and decades of teaching that's built up. Well, you have a dual nature. You have a righteous nature. You have a sin nature. Whichever one you feed is the one that you're going to live out of. Well, let me ask you this. Eternally, in terms of how God looks at you, you have one nature. You've been made one with Him. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. You've been set free from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. You have been forgiven. And that forgiveness is ever working in you as continual sanctification to affect your outer being. That's who you are. And the more that you believe that, the more that you live that way. Not because you're going to make it happen. You're not going to believe yourself into it. It's just that you start to believe that that's who you actually are and you stop limiting yourself. You stop choosing destruction externally. You stop choosing sin. You stop choosing irresponsibility because you man up, so to speak, and you say, you know, you know what? That's not who I am. I'm going to live according to what God has actually made me. And when you, when you make that decision, I'm telling you, there is such freedom in it because it's a natural outgrowth of then who you actually are. And it's so powerful. But it's very subtle, very subtle in that it's a choice that you put off concerning your former. See, now the legalist or typical performance-centered Christianity reads this and just looks at it as externals. You stop this, stop doing that, start doing this. But no, we're talking about the heart. We're talking about the way that we think, right? So that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind or the way that you think, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, if you can handle this one, say this one, I am truly righteous and holy. And we're not going to take the time to go through the heart exercise, but you can locate in your mind, you might be thankful for that, but in your heart, do you actually believe that? Like, does that feel true to you? And when you're working through these 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 differences between what you know and what you believe, and if you believe something that's contrary to your new nature in Christ, there's going to be a disconnect. There's going to be that little inner voice of the conscience that tries to convince you, no, you, you actually aren't. And let me tell you why. And then all this stuff gets served up to you. You know, it's interesting when I do this class out at Karis, um, the class is called Why Am I Here? And it's based on my book, who do you love, which is basically uh, reframing the idea of discovering God's will for your life, discovering your call and your assignments from the Lord, and reframing it 
out of the mindset of, God, what am I supposed to do for you by asking the question, who do I love, and, and creating a plan based on a people group or a person or something that you love that you move toward that motivated by love rather than the, 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 the execution of a task. Now, in that, as you move prayerfully, what happens is you open your heart and you become leadable and trainable and adaptable and you follow, but it's just the thing that's designed to get you moving. And we've done it here for years, but what always happens is when people get in an environment and they get in a situation where they start thinking about, okay, I'm actually going to do something different. I'm actually going to take some steps. I'm actually going to move forward. Man, I'm telling you, all those heart beliefs come up. All the, when you make a decision that you're going to live a different way, you start to have to deal with your heart beliefs. It starts to rise up. Mm, I don't know about that because this happened to you and this happened. And it might even just be an emotion. Or for you, it's so deeply subconscious that it drives a behavior that you don't recognize until after the destruction. Are you with me? Now, there's good news. God's bigger than your heart. This is 1 John 3 and 4. It's very powerful. I may go into that next week. You're not just limited and locked in to what you believe in your heart because God's bigger than that. So praise God for that. Take a deep breath because <laughs> I know that this starts to get, you know, this church is not for the faint at heart. I mean, you better be willing to take responsibility and actually expect the Word of God to change your life if you're going to stick around here because that's just where we're going to go with it. I just don't want to be, we're not seeker sensitive. We're not trying to tickle ears. I, I, I want to speak to people who actually want to be mature with the Word of God and, and, and let it do a work on the inside of us because we have a God to represent in this earth. Amen? And we all have assignments in the body of Christ. And a lot of us are not stepping into our assignments because we're limited by the stuff that we believe about ourselves and our hearts. And we got to deal with it. We got to deal with it, not to make God happy, but because God is raising up a royal priesthood, a holy nation of priests to represent him in this earth and show the world what it's like to live within God's kingdom. Not just through behavior, but through us following him personally. Are you with me? So, so back to this picture here, the beliefs of the heart, how, how, how do you deal with and how do you process the beliefs of your heart? Well, you just start to get serious about your life. You look at different scenarios. It's pretty obvious to pick an area that you need some improvement or some area that you'd like to move forward in. You start to deal with it. And you just start to ask yourself, what, what does the Word of God actually say about this area of life? What does the Word of God actually say about the emotions that I'm sitting within that, and please, no, no condemnation. I'm not against this, but, you know, if there's, if there's issues that we're taking medication for, there's healing for you. I'm not saying don't take medication. I'm not saying don't, you know, telling somebody to not take medication is kind of like telling somebody not to exercise, like, you might need it. It's good for you. But it's, but it's a physical thing, and there's healing beyond it. So, but, but what's going on there that you, that you need that? Or the sin that you keep stepping into, it's time to deal with it. It's time to look at it 
and, and get over the guilt and the condemnation and the shame, but actually get some freedom from it. You can be free. Do you believe that? I mean, honestly, even just being willing to think, I can actually be free from this sin is a revolutionary concept for some people. Some people think it's just who they are and they're just going to deal with it and they don't. Listen, some people are dealing with things you, ha- you don't even see a possibility of it not being part of your life. But it, you can be free from it. And it's through dealing with this process. And you, but the secret is you have to take the Word of God and use it to reshape everything that you think and eventually believe about you in light of that thing. Because the Word will change you. Amen? It's not the new way of thinking that changes you. It's not getting, making sure that you believe the right thing in your heart that changes you. Those things are alignments for the true power to work, which is the Word of God in your heart. The Word is what transforms you. The, nutri- the spiritual nutrients of the Spirit of God on the inside of you, changing you and affecting you, is what produces the transformation. It's not the power of positive thinking, and it's not meditation in the heart. Those things are factors that you, gotta, that you control. They're like levees or gates in the dam that you've got to get into alignment so that you're not hindering the Spirit of God from doing a work on the inside of you. Are you with me? You've got to be willing to change. You've got to be willing to put off the old. You've got to be willing to actually admit the truth about yourself. You know, some of us are so negative in our thinking and we have such a victim mindset because legitimate bad things have happened to you. And you just feel like, you know what, I'm in this situation and I have no control here and there's nothing that I can do about it. And it's just, it's, it's, it's them. It's them. Well, you know what, you can't control them, but you can control you. You can deal with you. Don't let them be your excuse for not letting God do a work in you. And I promise you, them becomes a lot less abrasive when you deal with you, regardless of their behavior, regardless of their performance and their change. It's just true. I'm just telling you, you you know this already, but we stay stuck because we choose. Oh, me. Oh, I'm just, you know, well, you know what? I lost this, and this happened to me, and this person did this, and and it's just where, and if, this, if they would do this, if they'd stop this, then I'd have peace. You ever said that? If they would change, then I'd have peace. You may as well put a bright neon light over your head that says, I am a victim. I have no power. I've given all my power away. I mean, I can even feel because there's some of you that are wrestling with that inwardly in this moment. But no, but you know, but 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 no, but 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 no, but so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I think we're in this situation where we have to believe and understand and trust that we have to foster and steward this space that the author of Hebrews talks about here, Hebrews 4.12, for the word. Now, when we talk about 
the Word, we're not just talking about letters on a page. We're not talking about the Bible. We are talking about the Bible. The Bible is one manifestation of the Word, but the Word is living. So let's just read this. For the Word of God is living and active. The word word there is the word logos, and it's the Greek word where we get the word logic. And the word logos is much more than just written word. It's much more than just the, the, what God has said. It's, this, it's, it's the character and understanding behind how God thinks. So God's logos is God's way. It's how he sees things. It's how he thinks about things. It's how he uh, expects things to operate. Like his logos is his wisdom, his logic, and it's even the character and integrity behind the words which he speaks. It's, a, it's much bigger than just written word. God's logos is his way of understanding how he would handle himself in a particular situation, his perspective, right? So all of that, how God thinks, God's ways, how God would behave, how God... Uh, makes decisions and the systems and the orders of thinking that he engages in his own mind, all of that, the way that he thinks, boiled itself down into laying aside its godhood in a mystery temporarily, all of God's way came, became human. Like God distilled himself down into a human body, and that's Jesus. And you look at Jesus, and Jesus is the exact representation of the invisible God. God showed us the way he thinks in Jesus. You know, I have this picture. Here's my phone, right? Imagine if my phone all of a sudden started floating. It's because God picked it up. You can't see God. He's a spirit. But he snapped a picture of himself, like a selfie. God took a selfie, and then he turned his phone around and showed us, and it's, it's like, oh, there's Jesus. Jesus is the exact representation of the invisible God. We have, we have much to learn from him. And not just his teachings, but what he did for us to change the kind of being that we are. Does that make sense? So what we steward about the living element of God and the way that he thinks and his way to become a reality in our lives happens in this place. And I think that this is, I mean, it even mentions heart in here. So for the word of God is living and act. But this, this is how you overcome sin. This is how you move past destructive emotional patterns. This is how you move past negative, limited thinking. This is how you move past the fears of the world. It's how you move past the atrocities and trauma that's happened to you in your life is you let the Word of God do a work on the inside of you so that it starts to change every other aspect of your being so that your whole being starts to embrace and believe who you are in Christ and you live out of that. And that pain no longer has power over you. Those words spoken no longer have power over you. And we're not just talking about concepts and ideas. We're talking about something that has substance. Spirit has substance. You know, in my mind, it's just a different form of energy. It's a higher form of energy. It's real. It's tangible in a certain 
plane of existence, you know, when we're in that dimension fully and we have our new bodies, we'll be in a higher resonant dimensional plane of existence, higher energy. I just think, not from a new age perspective, but just it's just a different realm with a different set of laws and physics, and, and, but it's a real place. There's a consistency to it. Spirit has substance, and it can get into your being in this life through your heart by you engaging God's logic, God's word. And the most fundamental way is through Scripture. You got to take it. You got to wrestle with it. You got to think about it until you, until it, until there's no more contradiction in your mind and what Scripture says, in your behavior, in what God wants from you and what God wants for you. It just has to reshape everything. The written Word of God has enough with wisdom, just the written aspect for you to get it in your thinking to the point that you come into agreement with it in your heart even to the point where it's more real to you than what you observe externally. It's how you encounter, it's how you engage healing. By his stripes, you are healed. Well, I don't see it outwardly. I've got this tumor. Well, you know what? Spiritually, you're healed. Your spirit doesn't have a tumor. And Jesus paid in his body for that tumor to not be part of your body. There is a legal precedent written in the blood of Christ, that your body can experience what his body paid for you to experience. It's a reality. That's, that's how it is in God's kingdom. That's the governmental structure that we live within. And our conundrum is to wrestle our mind and beliefs into alignment so that what's true in his kingdom becomes the reality, but it's a fruit that grows into this realm. You know, so like when Jesus was here, I don't think he broke the laws of physics. I don't think he did impossible things. I think what he showed us is when God or the authority of the creator comes in contact with the created realm, the created realm rearranges itself to be in alignment with the creator's will. Do you see that? He's not doing impossible things. It's because everything is active and living and, and receiving instruction. It's, like a, it's almost like the matrix. It's like a computer program. Everything that exists is programmable. But when it comes in contact with the will of the creator, it rearranges itself and it functions according to how the designer wants it to function. The reason it doesn't fully operate that way now is because he gave it to us, to mankind, and we've sown discord and sin and death into it. But when Jesus was here, I mean, think about this. I don't know if, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to think about this stuff in religious terms. Well, he's God, of course he's going to heal. But he showed, us his, he showed us what he wants. That is health in our bodies. Provision for your most basic needs. Love and kindness and compassion toward those people that are struggling and making bad choices. No condemnation for those that he's already set free. That's, that's our God. That's what he wants. He's not looking for a reason to cut people off. He's not looking for a reason to leave people in pain and sickness and disease and destruction and experimenting with your life through carnal means. God is spirit. Anything that God wants to do in your life, he does with spiritual realities. 
He's not saying, well, that's a broken system over there. I think I'm going to use that to whip them into shape. No, I mean, he's trying to infuse his life into us so that we grow and experience that which is true of who he is in spirit. And I'm really just trying not to think about it in mystical terms. You know, spiritual is not mystical in my thinking. Spiritual is just the seed of God's truth bearing fruit into this realm or being, or, but it happens in our heart. So the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit. The Word penetrates to the division between soul and spirit. The Word is in there. And both joints and marrow, so even into physical, the Word gets into the physical element of our being as well and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of our heart. This is the part that brings real transformation is when you let the Word of God judge the thoughts and intentions of your heart. And that's not fun. It's, it's, it's glorious, but it's probably the hardest thing that you'll ever do. Some of you are struggling with secret sin habits. Some of you are struggling with thoughts of self-harm. And there's people online or you're struggling with a cloud of depression and it's very, very real. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not saying that you should just ignore it. But I'm saying the Word of God is alive and powerful to strengthen you, to walk you out of it. And you're worth taking the time to let it transform you. Jesus died for you to experience freedom from the darkness and the destruction and the heaviness of this world. We have the capacity to live in such victory in our inner man that no matter what happens to you externally, you just walk through life not oblivious to the world around you, but rising above it, recognizing that you're part of a different kingdom. You're part of a different government. The rules of this world don't apply to you, even though for whatever reason your experiences might be experiencing what's going on in this world. It's up to you. It's up to you to engage the Word of God, the living element of God, the spiritual aspect of the Word of God, to hold it within there, to wrestle with it, to think about it, so that when you start moving this direction, you have a plan. You go into the Word and say, no, I'm going this way, but the Word of God says this about this. If it's sexual issues, if it's financial, if it's relational, if it's provision, if it's health, there's only a few areas of life. You know, we're not that unique and special. I mean, I know that, you know, people the way you are just a special little unique butterfly in the kingdom of God. No, you're not. We're all pretty much just the same. He loves you individual. And the reason I make that point is your problem is not unique. God's seen it before. Jesus dealt with it on the cross. We can either play church and play Christianity and hear good sermons and then going out then go out and struggle with life and blame the devil on everything or we can actually realize man the body of Christ has a mission in this planet first and foremost 
to experience what God has paid for in Christ for us. Not just so that you get your needs met, but part, part of the promise to Abraham back when God called him out and said that you will be a nation of priests that will be so blessed by me that you'll be a blessing to the earth. I'm just telling you, part of God's plan for his body is for us to walk in such blessing that it makes the world jealous. It's unfair in their eyes that we experience such blessing. You know, all through Israel's history, one of the reasons that, that Israel's enemies was afraid of Israel is because how strong God showed himself on behalf of Israel. I'm telling you, you have to get to a place where you have such confidence in who you are in Christ that you are bold about letting God show himself strong on your behalf because he's trying to. He just is trying to. But with our excuses and our worries and our fears and false religion that teaches you that humility is to think that you're a worm and you're worthless and you should be poor. And I'm not just talking about money and hell. It's not a health and wealth. It's, it's, I hope that you hear me. It's the blessing of God. You got to get serious of whether or not you're actually going to have that kind of mindset about yourself to let him show himself strong on your behalf. It, but it's not about you. It's about his son being glorified. And I know what happens. All the stuff comes up. All the stuff comes up. Well, this is that. This is that. The next thing you know, you're in, you, you, you can hear a message like this, and I'm just telling you, be encouraged, strengthened, start to see an actual possible future, and then sometime this week, find yourself in some of the grossest sin that you despise. Because your heart sees yourself that way and is going to try to pull you back into it. Not because you're a sinner deep down by nature, but that's just how you see yourself. And you're going to let what you believe about yourself create the world around you more so than the reality of God that he has for you. As you think in your heart, so are you. What are you going to let yourself think in your heart about yourself? Stuff that's in alignment with your failures and your past? that validates your victimhood or stuff that validates who you actually are in Christ. Are you with me? There's instruction in Proverbs here. You've got to remember this is pre-old covenant, I mean pre-new covenant, but it still applies nonetheless. Proverbs 7, 1 through 3. Go out, go out of here with this as your instruction today. My son, right off the bat, you're a child of God. I'm talking about your father here. I'm talking about your father. Yeah, he's your judge, but that side is satisfied in Christ. We're talking about your dad. I'm talking about your father who loves you, greatly loves you. Keep my words and treasure my commands. Now, commands, Jesus gave us new commandments, love God, love people, right? But this does not invalidate the Ten Commandments or the other civil law that we should live by in this world. We're not throwing away the Old Testament. We're not throwing away the Old Covenant law. 
We're recognizing which elements are fulfilled for us, because I don't see any of you. None of y'all showed up with uh, doves and bulls for me to cut the heads off and sling blood all over the place this morning. So, you know, we're not trying to keep a certain element of sacrificial law to appease God's anger. That's done. Say, that's done. So when you run across commands, it's wisdom. It's instruction. It's this is what a child of God lives like, so feed on the grace to actually live this way. So treasure my commands. Keep my commands and live. And my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. You have a new heart. It has written within it already. God put a whole new operating system on the inside of you, a new inner man. You're a new being, a new creature. And that new heart has God's laws and ways already encoded within it. It's natural for you to obey God now. And when you get your heart in alignment with how God sees you and the work that he's done in Christ, you live out of that new heart. But what we do is we paint over that new heart with the old dead man, because we still think that that's who we are, so we paint over it, and then guess what? You live that way. It's time to remove the stuff that's covering up that masterpiece, write the truth on your heart, and get into agreement, and watch the glory of God radically transform you. How many of you have ever been set free from a, a dark sin? Yeah. I'm just telling you, there is incredible freedom in this. And it's not just for you. Your family and your friends and your neighbors and the world around you need you to go through this process to experience the blessing of God so that you can take it to them as well. You have to confidently be able to stand in front of somebody and tell them, listen, I know this works. I have zero doubt this will work for you. Let me help you. Let me help you figure out how to get into the Word. Let me figure out how to help you engage the Word so that you actually start to love it and feed on it and actually see fruit from it. It's the parable that makes everything make sense in Mark 4, Matthew 13. And we'll probably go there next week, hopefully, to just really drill down into the nuts and bolts. <clears throat> Because we have an assignment to be that holy priesthood in this earth. Amen? Our, our government needs it. Our local cult, our, our culture needs us to be bold and firm in who we are. I mean, you know, there's still a battle to fight out there, but we fight from a place that's already won. Are you with me? Are you in? Write his word on your heart. Let's stand up if you would. Chris, maybe you can come and just play a little bit. We'll just, <clears throat> we'll just take a second here. I'll just put this up here. If you're in the room today or watching online, you hear this, it sounds great, and you want to be in the kingdom, you've never said yes to Jesus, we just have this passage here, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that the Lord... With, excuse me, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How many of you believe God raised Jesus from the dead? Yeah. 
For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if you would, just bow your heads. Father, we thank you for the opportunity. It's a holy moment, those online or those in the room that want to say yes to you for the first time. If there's anybody in the room you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time and believe in your heart, just lift up your hand so I can see you. I didn't think you were getting saved over there, Karen. It's all good. (laughs) All right, so if you're watching online, we have a video that will walk you through this process. But just for a moment, just ask the Holy Spirit to to give you some instruction as if you're actually going out of here with a plan to feed on his word, to engage his word, and to let his spirit do a work on the inside of you. Jesus, we trust you. In fact, if you need prayer for anything today, I'm not going to ask you to come up. I just want you right there where you're standing. Just raise your hand if you need prayer related to this. And there's some people that will come and, and stand with you. So keep keep your hand up if you would. If you'd like, I saw a few hands. Y'all put them down. Ra- just raise your hand back up if you need prayer for anything. About four of y'all put your hands back down. So so Tracy, would you come up right here in front of you? Anybody else? Raise your hand right right here in the middle. Which hand? Just y'all move around, y'all gather around. You have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Move, move, and just put a hand on this. Am I missing any hands? Y'all let me know. I can't see everybody. Father, we trust you. We thank you. Uh, we rest in the complete, finished work of Christ. We rest knowing that our salvation is secure, and we rest knowing that you're a good Father that has good plans for us. We love you and we trust you. We rest knowing that we're in your kingdom, that we are forever hidden with Christ in God. But we want to deal with our stuff. And we have situations where other people are making it difficult for our lives. So we just ask you to help. And so specifically this morning, and those of you that asked for prayer, and maybe some of you didn't raise your hand, just ask him to show you the next step forward of how to walk through this process. Just ask him, Lord, would you just show me the next step? Or would you show me who to speak to? Or would you show me where I need to go in Scripture? And oftentimes when I do that, a passage comes to my mind. I don't really trust myself to hear a voice but a, a scripture or a concept that I will then go to the Bible to, to study out. Oftentimes, it's just even a concept that will come to mind. Oh, you know what? I'm not really sure about that, but I'm going to go see what the, what the Word of God actually says about that. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're active. You're ministering to us in this place. Father, I thank you that even in this moment, those dealing with difficult emotions destructive thinking. Father, I thank you for joy to manifest. I thank you for peace to manifest, even physically. And I thank you that you're giving hope. Hope is a confident expectation of good things. And sometimes it's hard to choose hope because we're stuck and it's hard. And it's hard to let ourselves expect good things. But, Father, I thank you that you're helping people choose that, even in this moment. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're moving, you're alive and active, you're bringing health to bodies. You're speaking to marriages that need to uh, strengthen communication. There's difficult decisions to make. Father, I thank you that you're giving them the wisdom to make good decisions together. And we think about all those kids back there, Lord. We just put our attention on the children back there. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the gift of life, for the gift of family. We are a church that wants to sow into these kids so they grow up with a perspective of God where they're not afraid of him, but that they trust him. They don't have a bunch of religion that they got to rebel against and run away from. Father, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to give the gospel to these kids. So I thank you that you're with these kids. And I even just see angels moving with them. I see you active and living in their lives. I thank you that they're not, their little hearts are not too young to grasp the power of who you are and that you have a great future for them, one of blessing so that they can be a blessing. Thank you, Father. We just trust you. We love you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you and we worship you. We trust you. We trust you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we pray.